People pay money to see me in a 20 by 20 ring. Stone Cold Steve Austin talking to the 20 by 20 fans. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, John Cena. Happy birthday to you. Oh, hell yeah. And that's the bottom line because I said so. And welcome to a very special episode of the 20 by 20 Ring Crew. Special because it is number 100, the 100th episode of this podcast. As always, I am joined by my partner, Joe. What's going on, man? You turn the camera off and I'll be naked when you come back. What is up? Oh, wow. Mr. Sarcasm, yeah. I don't care if you got 23 wrestlers around the outside and it doesn't even matter. No, because I am ready and I will not let this opportunity slip through my fingers. Cup of coffee, man. Yeah. Man. Wow, man. Freak out. There you have it, man. 100, though. 100s. Uh, just amazing episodes. And, uh, you know, for, for everybody that's that is uh, has listened to us throughout those couple of years that we've been around and uh, continue to try to grow this brand, grow this podcast. Uh, I cannot thank you guys enough. One hundred is a is a, is a big big uh, mark for us. And thank you, thank you very much. You know, unfortunately, it comes during a time where we're you know amidst a pandemic still. You know, things are just not back to normal yet. Um, getting there in some ways, but. Some ways we're still not, but I digress. Regardless, we're here, we're healthy, we hope you are too. We hope you guys sit back and enjoy another episode as we try to bring you the entertainment that is professional wrestling. And what a hell of a weekend we just came we came across. The first time LIJ members will meet in a heavy, in a main event championship match. He likes the sound of that. Yes. And will Evil throw up the fist bump, the LIJ symbol? Yes, indeed he will. To fi- wait. wait a minute, wait a minute. That was a too sweet. Everything is evil. That was a too sweet, Kevin. That, that was. Wait a minute. Oh, God damn it. It was a too sweet. It was Bullet Club, and they were behind it all. Oh! Shocking, shocking events. Come on! But the Playmaker, once again, oh my God, has made a play. Just when you think you can write him off, Gato comes back again, and now we've got a new member of Bullet Club, Rocky. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. This is madness. Just when you think 2020 was bad enough. And Hiromu coming down to run Bullet Club off and Bushi and Sonata as well. It's Shingo in tow. Shingo's there, Uh, Jesus. 
Wow. Well, there were questions about whether or not evil would continue to linger in the shadows of LIJ, but those questions have been answered with a too sweet. Man. <laughs> By this point, ladies and gentlemen, like you guys have probably know what's going on, but we have to talk about it. It has to be spoken about. We have we we saw a a major turn that took place in New Japan Pro Wrestling over the course of the uh, second week of July. Uh, I forget what dates so those would be the the eleventh and tenth and eleventh or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 10, 10, 11, and twelve. Yeah, and we saw a new member of the Bullet Club. Two new members. Two new members. I'm, I'm I do apologize for that. Yes, two new <laughs> members of the, of the Bullet Club, and one of them walked out as double champion bringing the top two belts in New Japan back to the Bullet Club uh, as I <sighs> why not why the hell not um, I guess we could talk about what we have on TV we got the uh, July I'm, I'm doing better dates July 14th yes. episode of AEW Dark where Michael Nakazawa just pulled out a thong. Like, he literally took his own thong off and tried to smother Marco Stunt with it, a la, like, a mandible claw. And it cost him the match. It cost him the match. He pull, Look at this. He's pulling his whole friggin'... Like, he's pulling his whole underwear out, and he does it without even taking his other trunks off. What does this guy do behind closed doors with those underwear? I'm just being honest here. I'm, I'm saying what everybody's thinking. Marco Stun able to avoid Oh, the, no. Oh, Marco rolls him up. High stack. One, two. No. Watch oh, out. Oh, Marco oh. puts on the brakes. He's fighting for his life here. Imagine the stench of that. Oh, the, oh it's stuck to his face. Stuck on him. Marco rolls him up. One, two, three. Oh, the hell is on those raspberry oh, underwear? It's stuck in his face. Marco. Done. That was some freaky stuff, dude. I'm telling you, being honest. Taz, I know some people in Dagestan that would pay good money to have Michael Nakazawa's <laughs> underwear on their face. Marco Stunt, not one of them, and he was victorious here tonight. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> on the main TV, we have the actual event itself, the 2020 edition of New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion. Which, for the thing about it, is the equivalent. Usually, is the equivalent of their second pay per view, second biggest pay per view of the year or event, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it happened on July twelfth in uh, Osaka, Japan, Osaka Joe Hall, and, and I got to point that out too because it is their second show in front of a live audience, which I thought was really cool. Everybody's still social distancing, wearing face masks, but it's really cool to see an audience. Yeah. Back in a, in a venue, and that that's something that's uh, shouldn't be overlooked. It's you know again we're still amidst a pandemic. Obviously, this is Japan. This is not the United States. So this you know there's different scenarios there. But it was really cool to see that. But yeah, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about Evil. Evil won the New Japan Cup. Congrats to him. But it didn't come in the fashion that we'd all probably expected. Not if we even all. expected him to win yeah, it all. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, 
I, you know, here I'm telling Matt about this, and like I, I'd say, uh, if if I had to give this episode a theme, it's it's like just getting over, how to get over, what to do to get over, what not to do to get over, you know, things like that. But New Japan, the way they book, I I, I think it speaks volumes about their booking scenario. You have Jado and Gato who do uh, a majority, if not all, of the booking for New Japan Pro Wrestling. It, the success that they have clearly shows that you know you're talking about two. It's two guys for the most part, and the reason there's so much success there is that one they have chemistry, but it isn't just like chemistry that happened overnight. This is something that has taken time to to grow and and become a success a success that way it it takes time it takes effort it's like any other relationship in life whether it be a friend or a brother a sister you know uh, a significant other there has to be time and patience and understanding and compromise and commitment and all those things and that goes into your your booking staff when it comes to professional wrestling and you've had these guys booking for New Japan for quite a while now. And so they know. They know their roster. They know what those guys are capable of. They don't They don't book guys out of their element. You know what? Terry Taylor came into the ring with the mane of a red rooster. And Terry Taylor is a fine, quote-unquote, scientific wrestler. He had never been given real gimmicks before and to this day in the 2000s people just remember more than what a great wrestler he was that he was the Red Rooster but he really didn't other than doing the rooster gimmick he didn't really do anything that differently in the in the ring. He was still Terry Taylor underneath that but he's never lived it down. People still remember him as the Red Rooster. And that's very important here because in American wrestling, that shit happens all the time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I mention all this because, again, over the weekend, we saw Bullet Club gain not only two new members, again, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the now third double champion? As far as the IC and heavyweight? Yeah. I Is think it, it's just a second. Just the second? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I could be wrong, but I think it's just the second. Uh, in in the form of evil from Los Ingobernables, formerly of Los Ingobernables de Japón. Wow, what a fucking shocker. And, and uh, you know, getting getting into the behind the scenes of this decision, you got to remember um, one thing. As we see the team of Luther and Serpentico team up uh, on AEW Dark. That was such a bad signing, Luther. They, they didn't do anything with him. No, and they... <laughs> they brought they brought him in for, for the, the Brandy Rhodes project where she was a heel. and He's got all this... Uh, I don't want to say legacy. I'm, I'm going to say pedigree. He's got such a, a, a huge fucking pedigree coming from Japan and... Uh, mm. That whole hardcore uh, deathmatch scene, and literally, like you, you almost have to be a 
a, a super wrestling nerd in order to figure out who this guy is to begin with. But once you find out who he is, you're like, why the fuck is he even... It's like he's pretty much jobbing in AEW. He's he's really not doing much of jack shit right now. So, um, but that's we'll get to that in a second. Back, sure, back, sure, in, sure. back to to <laughs> evil in the Bullet Club. Um, the booking. So again, New Japan, the 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 country of Japan, still under travel quarantine, um, not really letting anybody in or out. Uh, only under a special circumstance. And so you have a lot of the um, non-Japanese wrestlers not able to be booked at the at this moment in time for their shows, and uh, that definitely hurts. Uh, or, or I should say it hinders. I don't mm-hmm. want to say it hurts because they got a strong roster. But um, when it comes to the Bullet Club, you know, that was traditionally gaijin. Uh, all Gaijin. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, it, gaijin is one of those terms that we're we're technically not supposed to be using now because it, it fucking offends people. But that's what this was. It was an all gaijin faction uh, initially, and so you know there's there's a good amount of bullet club that are, are not present at this moment in time. But um, big names too. Yeah, big names, absolutely. So what did New Japan have to do to 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 counterbalance all that? Well, they booked uh, this decision to make evil. Not only part of Bullet Club, but as a byproduct, their new double champion. And just the way they did it was like, I'm telling you, it was so fucking masterful. Because here you have, um, if you go back over the past at least two years, you would always get, not always, but when it did happen, you'd get um, periodic times during tournaments, uh, a majority of the times during tournaments where you would have faction member versus faction member. It just happened. Whether it be the G1, mm. whether it be um, the New Japan Cup, uh, tag super tournaments, yeah, yeah, Super Juniors, it would just happen. And it just, it, it always made for a certain level of, of anticipation. You couldn't help be, be excited. Whether you were a fan of the faction or not, you couldn't wait to see Bullet Club versus Bullet Club or uh, Los Ingobernables versus Los Ingobernables. Chaos versus Chaos. Like, it always was interesting. They made it interesting, um, at least in New Japan. Mm-hmm. And so this was this was uh, the same situation coming into the New Japan Cup 2020. Um, it ended up being a match between Sonata and Evil. Again, both of Los Ingobernables de Japón. And as this tournament progressed, you got to see Evil become that much more heel. And it wasn't out of the realm of, of uh, possibility when it came to the story with all this. Because in previous matches where it was faction versus faction, especially with Los Ingobernables members... They would give it to each other 100% and be non-apologetic about it at right. the very end of the match. You and I both have seen anybody watch any of those matches. You would see, you know, they they always raise their hand and do the fist bump at the end of the match. And there'd be times where they'd be like, nope, I'm not doing it. Fuck you. Like, I'm that heated you got about heated. it. Yeah, sure. But they were still faction members at the end of the day. Right. 
So it made it completely believable for Sonata to go into a match with Evil, them give it to each other 150%, and still walk away as faction members. Mm -hmm. If you ended that match and you still believed, much like I did, because I'm I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't immune to this, mm -hmm. much like I did that at the end of the match, those guys were still brothers in arms as part of Los Ingobernables then they got you. The booking got you. You believed it. Because going into that match where Evil versus uh, Okada for the New Japan Cup happened, you thought everything was fine and dandy. Mm -hmm. And I get it that, um, you know, Okada's not part of Los Ingobernables. Right. But it all, if you believe the booking to that part, you, you were about to believe what happened next. And you had Gato come out during the match. Spoiler alert. He comes out. He does it with the intent. With the intent. Just completely fucking over Okada. My only problem with this scenario was that Evil didn't play into it a little bit differently. I think Evil should have kind of tried to, to give shit to Gato as he came out and, and, and uh, interfered in the match, but he didn't. And that immediately started putting doubt in the minds of everybody watching, everybody in attendance, and more, most importantly, the commentators. And that's that's where um, that's where my big problem comes in with this is because the commentators immediately were like, "Holy shit, is he part of Bullet Club?" And I think they should have waited. I think they should have just kept putting the talent over and like, "Oh, you know, he's there to fuck with Okada. He's there to fuck with Okada," and not even mention evil turning at any yeah. point. And I think it. It, it's uh, like don't get me wrong I'm still shocked as hell that it happened mm -hmm. but I, th I think to those oh, I had to watch it in Japanese I couldn't wait <laughs> I'm a very patient man but when something like this happens like I have to watch it and I don't know Japanese but you could tell you could yeah. tell from what they were how they were reacting what they were saying like they were pushing the idea that evil was about to flip <laughs> Very Bobby Heenan of them. Yeah, right. <laughs> and <laughs> and it was it was just like holy shit. So it happened. You know the the match ends. Evil wins the New Japan Cup. They got you. If, if you believe that that far, they got you. And they got me. They totally got me. Um, you know when he uh, afterwards, you know Naito comes out because he calls him out. He comes in the ring with his belts and. Um, you know, at the at the end of the the whole debacle, you know, they go to Naito goes to raise his fist, you know, and and Evil does too. With, hey, man, we're still brothers in arms. But when he goes to pound his fist, he throws up the two sweet instead and completely fucks over Naito, thereby completing the turn to Bullet Club. That was it, ladies and gentlemen. The rest is history, or so we thought, because. The following night, you know, keep in mind, the winner of the New Japan Cup automatically got a title shot against Naito. It was actually of their choosing, but she chose Naito, okay. which is why Naito was out there. That happens, and during the match, wouldn't you know it, someone who, for all intents and purposes, was supposed to be Bushi, comes down the ringside to, to help it quote unquote help in the match 
And he's got a Bushi mask on. He's sort of dressed like Bushi, but uh, you could tell. Like I, I think they should have had him wear like the long sleeve shirt yeah. and the shirt like Bushi usually wears, because you could tell right off the bat this guy was a little more jacked than Bushi is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, something happens, and this this masked man ends up helping Evil win the titles, and it turns out to be Dick Togo. The legendary Dick Togo, who is now apparently part of the Bullet Club. And, um, you know, just just when you, you thought you saw it all, you got to see it all again and be surprised all over again. It, it was one hell of a fucking weekend for New Japan. Yes. And I, I really love the idea that they waited to have fans in attendance for this to happen. Because the fucking hush that came over that crowd. Don't get me wrong, Japanese crowds are pretty pretty much quiet to begin with. Sure. But if you paid attention throughout that show, they were there was a lot of clapping going on, especially after big moves. Mm-hmm. Something a little uncharacteristic of Japanese. A lot crowds. of excitement to be. Yeah, back, you yeah. Know, of course. But then when it came to that happening, dude, <laughs> like crickets and yeah. just like a lot of shock and awe gasps like you know i couldn't believe it and and it was great it was so fucking great and i i loved every fucking bit of it man kudos kudos to new japan for hell of a show one thing that i will say about new japan is that or i should say bullet club anything that's related to the bullet club like you should be a critical thinker at this point because it, it always seems to it always seems to be right there in front of you without ever unveiling itself. Yeah. Another another aspect to add to add to your point even more so was again Kazuchika Okada, who again is not part of LIJ, not part of Bullet Club. He's a Chaos member. This is you know we we, we talk about being part of a pandemic right now, and and the thing is we have a smaller roster. And you have Dominion coming up, which is, again, your second biggest show of the year. You need a big-time match. You need a big-time title match, right? So, what do you go with? I mean, the the no-brainer for a lot of people would be the rematch. Okada versus Naito. They talked about that at, at, at Wrestle Kingdom. Let's do it again. So, let's do it again. Okada wins the New Japan Cup. And we have that match. Nothing wrong with that booking. No, not at all. That's a that's a good fucking booking, and I I'd want to see that rematch again. And I think that safe that safety net that a lot of people had was everything that they needed to push them over the edge and say, yeah, we're not doing that. This is actually what's <laughs> happening. And that's what I mean by being a critical thinker. Like all that stuff that Joe mentioned, it was all in front of us. But I'm not gonna sit here and bullshit anybody and say that I saw it coming because I didn't. I don't know anybody that did. <laughs> I, I really didn't. And it was just, it's excellent booking for that for that sense because here it was, you're trying to sell Dominion and how do you do that by doing what Bullet Club tends to do best and that's completely shake the very core of the wrestling industry. <laughs> and uh, they do it again. And Evil is is no longer LIJ. He's, he's now a member of the Bullet Club. Dick Togo now a member of the Bullet Club. Again, we're talking about Bullet Club that's without G.O.D., without Jay White, without Kenta. These are big names. And, you know, who do you have? I mean, the Bullet Club, especially if Gato and Jado are part of it, 
the Bullet Club are always going to be a focal point for a reason. For a reason. And this is one of those things where they figured it out. They figured it out, you know, you have less pieces of the puzzle to deal with. They altered it in the right way. And I, th- I think I think you needed that shake. You needed that, that, that dy- dynamic shake. And I asked a question to Joe before we started recording. You know, it was Evil winning the title the right move. I mean, ha- turning him, that's one thing. But giving him two belts yeah. is another. And I, I, I have to agree with my partner. You know, he he, he answered it with a question. You know, if, if not him, then who? And in a in a wrestling environment right now that is, you know, obviously in a spot that it's not accustomed to by any means necessary. I think everybody's got to be on the table. Everybody, everything has got to be on the table. And, and, and why not evil? He's obviously a guy that Joe and I have been very fond of. We talked about him on this podcast quite some time. And I think, I think it was, it was, it was the right move for so many reasons. One, you take him out of LIJ, you take him out of the tag team with him and Sonata. Love them as a tag team, but at some point you just knew that you couldn't go forever with those guys. Right? They both they both are very deserving of singles careers and and uh, that possible upper echelon mm-hmm. of of the business, and uh, they're well on their way for sure. And I and I think you know I not think I know that we have not seen the last of those two go at it, especially after their semifinal match that they had. <sighs> <laughs> you know, we were not done with those guys. Um, I think, yeah, it was just it was such a crazy finish to, to say the least, for New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I, I just, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. It's great booking. I think it's great booking. It's unfortunate. It would always be unfortunate for me that Naito's title reign was cut the way short, the way that it was, because of COVID. Shit, man. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's, but you know what? Again, that makes for. And I'm sure they'll use it this way. That makes for such um, a storied, a storied story. You know, all that hype, all that built-up tension and momentum that came with Naito finally completing the hero's journey. Yeah. And winning not just one belt, but two belts. Yep. In the main event. Yeah, and making history and and accomplishing all that. Only for it to be cut short by not only a pandemic, but his 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 partner in crime. Yeah, former you know? brother, you know. So yeah, I, you know that that will come back. It will come back. They will book that, you know, appropriately and accordingly. We will see that rematch. We will see that story come to an end down the line. But that's again not to keep fucking. Sounded like a broken record about New <laughs> Japan booking, but damn, they are fucking masterful at what they do. Yeah, you can, you definitely can never discredit them. The only thing I, I have to ask, and I brought this up uh, before we started recording, did they over? Did, was it an oversight about the the six man tag titles, or was that done on purpose? Because for those who don't know what I'm referring to, Evil Takagi and Bushi are technically the six man tag team champions. They won those at Wrestle Kingdom, I believe, and that was obviously as members of Lij. I mean, 
I'll say I'll say two things here. So one, if I'm not mistaken, they essentially have the free bird rule in New Japan. I only say that because uh, what was that? It was a car. It was a bigger card earlier in the year or the previous year where they had that happen. Somebody had to fill in for somebody. And I think it was when, like, the coach and, uh... Oh, you're right. It was, like, it was, it was, uh, Taguchi, yeah. Makabe, and, and somebody else. Maybe Hanma. And, and someone had, someone couldn't make it or fell ill or something, so they just put someone else in there. And yeah. They, they were, they defended the six-man tag titles. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they lost them in that match. If they got the Freebird rule going, then it doesn't is matter. what it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It is what it is, but... No, you're right. They could also, you know, it could have been an oversight, or they're just gonna be like, "Hey, you know, you guys can't defend it now because he's not, you know, up further, you know, progressing that story." Like, God damn it, he fucked us not only with with that, with this, and now, now we have no, like, we won't have any of those fucking titles. Yeah, I mean, fuck them to the point where they can defend it, but it's gotta be handicap style potentially, or. Or like to, I mean, I'm not saying this will happen, and I doubt it will. But what? How fucked up would that be if they book it like, yeah, you guys are still champs, but like literally, you guys, the three, <laughs> the three of you. So yeah. now you've got two, two ingobernables and a bullet club member having to defend that six man tag title, and you know I can't see that going over well. I, I, the only reason why I, I can see I, like them doing that is again, kind of how I just mentioned where. You know, evil is just like, yeah, I'm not fucking doing that. Goes out there and just like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, you right. guys, you guys are on your own. It could have been one of those things where you know they just didn't care enough. You know, it's like let's we, if, you know, what's what's our options here? We pull the trigger and do this, or you know, we can deal with this later. Because certainly, what you know, I think if you, if that was the case, the ends definitely justify the means in that sense. But. Uh, I'm a stickler for detail, and I, I would have I would have been the guy in the room. Like, what do we do with those belts? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Matt. Just don't worry, don't worry about it. That's what that's what would have happened. But uh, yeah, hell hell of a fucking booking there. Um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, man. I can't I can't stress it enough. If uh, this is a perfect time to to obviously get yourself a New Japan Pro Wrestling World subscription, you can do that via our website at 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW. 30 days are going to be given away for free, so you can catch all of the New Japan Cup, all of Dominion. There's some good stuff happening uh, in the month of July and August as well to finish to wrap up uh, another tour, and uh, obviously a plethora of archived footage, a lot of stuff from, from yesteryear being... Now done in English commentary, thanks to Kevin Kelly. Tons of stuff. Tons of great wrestling. Uh, if you don't speak Japanese, it's fine. You don't have to. You just enjoy good professional wrestling. Again, that's 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash NJPW. All your information is going to be on there. Link it through our website. Show us some love and enjoy great Japanese wrestling and join the conversation. Because certainly when it comes to professional wrestling, it seems that New Japan's always at the top of the conversation. I was reminded by Jim Cornette this past week that uh, you don't you don't have to be Japanese or understand Japanese to enjoy a lot of their, <laughs> their matches. Uh, he was talking about Vader. He had a watch-along um, 
what was that, SummerSlam 96? 96, yes. Uh, Vader versus Shawn Michaels, which was very interesting. I highly recommend uh, listening to that episode of the Cornet podcast. But uh, he talked about Vader coming over from Japan and like the uh, about his reputation preceding him when he came to the WWF. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, you know, you don't. The, there was nothing really scientific about the matches he had in Japan. It was literally like him and Stan Hansen beating the shit out of each other <laughs> for, for you know, like fucking ten to fourteen minutes or whatever. But um, doesn't mean it wasn't entertaining. That's for damn sure, you know. But again, all that's available on the New Japan Pro Wrestling World uh, streaming service. At, at at least 30 days for free so please please yeah. go do that you cannot go wrong with that so new japan definitely has masterful booking and on aew dark you and i just watched the television championship match between cody rhodes and sunny kiss it was, it was actually it's dynamite it was the fight for the fall oh dynamite i'm sorry but yeah same thing dynamite dark yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as part of Fight for the Fallen, you and I have talked a great deal during during this session about that that title and just a- AEW booking, well, booking in general. That's again, that's kind of what this whole episode is about: getting over, being booked well, things of that nature. You brought up a question earlier about Sunny Kiss, so I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna say something, and it's probably gonna be an unpopular opinion to some out there but hey that's okay i'm all for general discourse with people as long as they're civil about it there's no need to get shitty but here we go so you had asked me how much success is sunny kiss gonna see given his his current circumstance and 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 am i right in saying that did i did i phrase that correctly I, yeah, I'll just go ahead and say, you know, Sonny Kiss obviously is a very flamboyant person. That's who he is in real life. That's what his gimmick is. Is he going to have a hard time getting to main event status with that type of gimmick? And to that I say yes and no. Because if we historically, if we look at professional wrestling and the way flamboyant characters have been treated, typically the more flamboyant you are, the better off you're being, uh, the better off you're getting over with the crowd is as a heel. Think of, you know, uh, Gorgeous George, uh, Adrian Adonis, the original Gold Dust. <laughs> exactly for newer age people so you take characters like that and yeah as heels absolutely i think i think son there's a lot more that can be done with a heel than there can be a baby face and and right off the top of my head i think the only very flamboyant baby face that i can think of that ever had any kind of um Success, a measurable success, would be Johnny B. Bad in WCW, who was Mark Merrow in the WWF, mm-hmm. WWE. I think, I think most importantly, no matter whether Sonny stays a babyface or Sonny becomes a heel, I don't have any problem with his flamboyancy whatsoever. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, w- whether that be him in real life 
or him as a gimmick, none of that matters to me. What matters to me is if you're going to play that gimmick or if that if that's going to be part of your gimmick, then you better work. You need to work that to its maximum potential, just like anybody else with it. So when I what I mean by that is, yes, be flamboyant, but you're going to have to be booked a certain way to where it works for you and that flamboyancy. It isn't... It, it no longer becomes all about just Sonny Kiss's ability to wrestle. He can, he, don't get me wrong, I think he's still a little bit green. Yeah, I agree. But I've seen him have really awesome matches. Uh, one I could think of, I, for, forgive me for not knowing the other guy's name, but the promotion out of Chicago. There's a few. Oh, Freelance. Freelance, thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Freelance wrestling. Sorry, guys. He fought a guy in freelance wrestling. The entire time, the guy was was the heel, and Sonny was the babyface, but he was a flamboyant babyface, and he kept toying with the guy and pissing the guy off. And that match worked very well for the both of them. It got both of them over. He needs to be booked. He needs to be able to do that. He able he be he needs to be able to be flamboyant and let him you know have hit have him get somewhere in the match. Have him progress the match with his flamboyancy. Because guess what? The moment you stop letting him do that, and he just becomes another wrestler. It's just not going to work. He becomes less believable. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can catch that freelance match by using the IWTV app. Go to our website, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash IWTV, independent wrestling television, and check out freelance wrestling as well as a plethora of other independent and international wrestling companies, uh, and, uh, and especially during these times, support professional wrestling. Always support professional wrestling, but during these times, if you can, give a little bit. Even if it's just by just watching a show, it goes a long way in helping support independent wrestlers during a very uh, trying time. And again, that's 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash IWTV. I, I agree with what you say there. I think AEW is the company, the right place for him, because they seem to be very open to trying new things, I think for a lot of a lot of uh, in a lot of aspects, <laughs> it's weird hearing you say like that's a new thing because it it's really not. Maybe to to wrestling fans today, but if you've watched wrestling for a while, flamboyancy is nothing new, man. No, and I I I, I get that, but I mean we're talking. We're talking main event status, and that's something that when I say flamboyancy, I I, I, I don't mean the Shawn Michaels esque flamboyancy because you can you can argue and say that you know the boy toy or whatever Heartbreak Kid was a flamboyant wrestler. Uh, you know, we're talking the very well, let's call it what it is in this case the the LGBTQ esque flamboyancy that Sunny Kiss possesses. There's a <laughs> There's a crowd out there that doesn't want that. And that's the point I'm trying to make, where, where AEW is the company where they, they're going to be on the, the forefront and say, fuck that. Like, if Sonny Kiss is a good wrestler, he's going to be fighting for belts. He's going to be main event status, potentially, if he can prove himself. That's why I pose the question. Is, is Sonny Kiss going to have a hard time getting over? Because if wrestling is booked correctly, it's still booked based off of audience reaction. Not not verbatimly. I mean, you can't just... You can't do everything to that nature, but you have to read a room. 
you know, if if Sunny Kiss is getting booed by the majority of the audience, assuming that audiences come back soon, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what do you do? I mean, I think the the good Booker would be like, well, let's make him a mega flamboyant heel. Um, yeah, that's just good. That's just good heat, you know. But it's just, are they willing to ride with somebody that is, you know, that's so like so many fans are against because unfortunately we have a lot of backwards fans out there and and that see that's what makes this whole situation dangerous you know but if you look back again historically adrian adonis you know how many people in in our at the time he was around how many people accepted that sort of lifestyle yeah you know yeah, they were definitely they were definitely of the minority. Let me tell you, much fewer than today. And much fewer than today, yes. absolutely. But yet, you put him in the ring. You put him in the ring as a heel. Did he get over? Hell yes, he got over. Did he main event? Hell yes, he main evented. Did he win titles? Absolutely, he won titles. So it can be done. Yeah. But you're absolutely right, and that's a major part in all this. If they're gonna book him as such, if they're gonna let him do his thing, it's it's all it's all got to be based on fan reaction. And you know, we we uh, initially we brought this conversation up amongst each other because of um, a fan calling Sunny Kiss a, a very derogatory word on Twitter, mm-hmm. and Cody spoke out in support of Sunny Kiss and pretty much you know demeaned the fan like you know, you know that type of response is is never warranted like that has nothing to do with pro wrestling uh, you know at the end of the day you know Sunny Kiss still has to wrestle yeah Sunny Kiss is still who he is and you're just ignorant pretty much and that's fine and you know he's right you know none of that is called for 20 by 20 ring man that's where it's that's where it's settled absolutely whether whether cody likes that or not whether sunny kiss likes that or not guess what that situation had it had heat yeah that was white hot heat coming from that guy because he clearly don't like uh the, the sexual preferences of of a sunny kiss yeah and, and and okay that's that is what it is but you if you if you book it a certain way and and you 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 have Sonny Kiss obtain any kind of success on your roster with mm. his flamboyancy that's going to come with with that situation unfortunately if you're if you're looking to get him over and make a lot of money doing it it's 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 going to come with the territory you know yeah, I brought up the we brought we both brought up the point when we were watching the match, the intro. You know, Sonny Kiss comes out there and he brings out the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders and he does a full routine, a full dance routine. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm looking at Matt like, doesn't he still have to wrestle a match? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's gassing right there, man. Yeah, you can. I don't get me wrong, be flamboyant and such, but uh, you're doing way too much before the match, and then you got to go wrestle. It wasn't like he was going to wrestle a squash match. Yeah, he was wrestling for a title you're on Cody TV yeah. and Cody. So. Right. Uh, be a little bit smarter about the way way you're booking stuff. And, and that's that's the kind of point where I wanted to bring up, where you have somebody like Sonny Kiss, where it's over the top, not because it's it's uncomfortable to watch, as some people would say, but it's just unnecessary. He could have easily came <laughs> out 
with the with the cheerleaders, the cheerleaders and yeah. had them do all the dancing. We've seen that before too. You know, and still have his pop and circumstance. There's some dancing you could have done, yeah. but you didn't have to do the full on routine. That was I mean, he ridiculous. was doing splits and all kinds of shit. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you still gotta wrestle. Yeah, and you're wrestling a big time player in Cody. Yeah, that was it's it's silly shit like that that he's gonna have to clean up. He's gonna he's got a lot of work to do as far as his selling. He was selling moves before they happened. That was kind of irritating me. And, and again, that's why I say he's a little green and and yeah, he does need work. He does but need work. I do love the tag team partnership between him and Janela because Janela's another guy who you mentioned hasn't really found his, his, his footing, footing right? in, in, on the roster and you put those two guys together for whatever reason it's worked so far I liked it and I hope they continue it and you know months down the line potentially like to see them in a if, if they continue to grow as a tag team I can see them easily being tag team champions one day. You know, I'm not going to happen anytime soon, I don't think, or nor should it, but let them let it keep going. Let it keep organically growing. And there's a lot of tag teams in AEW already, but why not the surprise duo of Janela and, and, and Kiss, especially if they continue to perform the way that they have been? Because they have a ton of chemistry together. But booking, man, booking's huge. And <laughs> Absolutely. I wish more people would do the, the get it right like uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, but here in the United States, it doesn't seem that it's, it's always the case. <laughs> no, no, not whatsoever. And, uh, you know, on this podcast, uh, there, there's a great deal of our listeners that happen to be huge WWE marks, and sometimes that can be a detrimental thing. And and I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> but we, it, you know, it 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 really wouldn't be a 20 by 20 episode without mentioning the WWE and when it comes to booking I thought we were going to get away with it <laughs> and when it comes to booking let's face it I mean there's a myriad of, of issues with their booking any given fucking day of the week especially these days where they have like an entire roster of writers who who have to seemingly do the impossible um, I say that with, with FTR being on the screen taking on the Lucha Brothers here you know it was divulged recently in, in an interview that they did for uh, Jericho's podcast where they talked about how Vince McMahon apologized to them because once they were ready to leave and had made up their mind that they were leaving the company for sure, mm. they had brought up you know all these these uh, angles and situations with booking and such that they wanted to see happen and they wanted you know, like all the changes they wanted to see happen and he apologized. Vince McMahon actually apologized to the revival or FTR. He said that he's apolog- he apologized for for the system being broken in WWE when it comes to their creative because his his staff wasn't bringing him those ideas even though they were pitched and a lot of it is it's it's like his own doing because he is such a hard ass historically and and he doesn't like to listen to what a lot of people would think are good ideas when it comes to booking you know and that's it, it's frustrating to say the least especially with uh, and here's where the WWE marks and I will actually agree on something like all those good ideas somehow get pushed aside and then it becomes too late and then that talent leaves and then they go and they do that shit elsewhere making them more appealing and then guess what they you know a lot of people come back to the company uh, with with a bigger spotlight on themselves it just seems to be the way things work and it's it's ass backwards 
It really is. Getting getting that scenario down with Vince McMahon like constantly fucking dropping the ball with with booking decisions. It it led us here at the twenty by twenty ring crew to kind of mull over something that happened quite a while ago during uh, the time of the Monday Night Wars and, and uh, subsequently after that. I think I think it's a big a huge. <laughs> It's a it's a huge example of of how how to how to book or how not to book depending on how you look at it. It's with the WCW guys and how Vince McMahon. Uh, there's like this huge myth that the the WCW guys never got a push. That's that's what I wanted to talk about with with you, uh, my my partner in crime here. As we see Kenny Omega handing beers to FTR. He's got the Bud Light logo. Or whatever. Well, yeah, you can't. Yeah, they're not going to pay for... But it's poorly done, though. Oh, yeah, of <laughs> <That's> course. <laughs> he just went over it with the Sharpie. You can still totally read what it says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also see uh, Taichi and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. win the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. So I can kind of read that, by the way. I'm learning Japanese, Joe. <laughs> I'm learning it slowly. I can kind of read it. Didn't we call this months ago yes. when they first started to tag up? Like this should happen. It's yes. finally happening. Congrats to those guys. As fucking Zack Saber just kicks a uh, young lion in the face. There's not enough gold in Suzuki Goon at this point, and I'm, I'm they 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 need something, right? They need something. I mean, New Japan Pro Wrestling is a lot of it's about the gold. That's how they book is around the gold. It's not a fucking prop, as some people would have you believe, but it's uh, it's it's very prestigious to be champion. So bring some prestige to Suzuki Goon again. An- another booking flaw in the way of WWE is where you know hiring that idiot. <laughs> You're going back to the WCW guys, your general thoughts before we even get started with this conversation over the years. Are you happy with the way guys got booked coming from WCW? Or who are thought of as WCW alumni? Do you think Vince did right by them in a general sense? I think from from 2001 all the way until what was it 2015 with the booking of Sting all, and everything in between, it has been very clear that anybody that's had the stigma of WCW is treated as a lesser wrestler or entity to the company we'll go more into detail of course you're gonna lead the way on that but i've 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 always felt that i've always felt that about so many aspects of not just wcw but other wrestling companies i'll leave it at that that have come in to wwe and never get over we've seen that with tna now or impact wrestling excuse me impact wrestling alumni with the exception of one particular guy that has come in and has had mediocre success. Okay. So yeah, I I, I like to hear more on on the quote unquote conspiracy theory or <laughs> or what have you. But I think there's a lot of truth behind it, and the results speak for themselves. All right, we'll start off with Lex Luger. Mr. Luger, Mr. Luger, I saw what just happened out there with Ron Killens. I just want to ask you, I mean, what are your plans for the next show, Super Brawl Saturday? I mean, are you going to take care of Ron Killens? What kind of disgusting, despicable lack of respect does that Billy What's-His-Name show booking a match for the total package Lex Luger and Super Brawl? Super Saturday? What is it? I don't even know what it's called. What is it called? Super Brawl Saturday. Super Brawl Saturday? Can he afford to pay me to wrestle run? I don't know. 
I'm one of the biggest legends and stars ever in this. God! And your t-shirts are too tight too, Billy! And you book a match with me against Ryan Keelings! Look at me! I'm a total package! I will rip him apart! I'm pissed now! Alright, so Lex Luger comes in originally to the WWF. He's got that all-American gimmick. Uh, a lot of people over the years have called it like Hogan Light. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a favorite term of mine. And, um, you know, Luger, Luger's always been... He's been a body guy. And, yeah, and that's fair. And when he came over from WCW initially... You know, let's call let's call the situation what it was. I think Vince McMahon saw a guy with a great body. At the time, they were hawking Ico Pro. So, it's like, what better way, in the way of business, never mind fucking wrestling, but in the way of business, like, why not? Why not have this guy come in and... You know, we're we're that's our sponsor and or one of our sponsors and fuck it, let's let's use it, let's use Luger's uh, Luger's body to our advantage and and you know he he'll still be somewhat of a draw and if I'm not mistaken, he did get Luger. Um, that was that like that was how he got Luger to begin with. He signed him to a, a bodybuilding deal before he even signed him to WWF per se. Okay. And that's how he was like kind of able to steal Luger away from WCW, which that's a whole other can of worms. But overall, do you think Lex Luger got a fair shake with with the his gimmick, with his success in WWF? There's a lot of talk behind the scenes that Luger had issues with the fans in general. You know, he didn't want to play a ball necessarily and, and be be that all American guy, but just. He didn't want to live the gimmick. He just wanted to pretty much get paid and <laughs> and what have you. So it, it kind of put a damper on the way things were going, especially since they had him touring from city to city in a giant fucking coach bus, you know, God. out there to be amongst the people. Were you he, out there? No. No? No. You didn't show up? Okay. No, fuck, fuck that. Not for Luger. <laughs> but, um... I had to ask. <laughs> Well, now you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, what do you think? Do you think? Do you think this was um, Lex Luger undermining his own potential, or was this a case of just Vince not booking correctly? I think it's a mixture of both. I, th- I think this is a uh, one of those situations, though, that wasn't a anti WCW move. I think this was um, one of those clear examples that Vince McMahon was out of touch. He lost Hogan. He lost his American hero. His mindset, because let's let's not discredit his ego, the ego that Vince, of Vince McMahon. If I created one Hulk Hogan, I could certainly create another Hulk Hogan. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I think I think that's was what Lex Luger was supposed to be. You know, as we call him Hulk Hogan Light. You know, <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Um, I think that's exactly what what it was supposed to be. And you know, by that point, you're talking mid, you know, the early mid '90s. Nobody gives a shit about that anymore. You're not gonna. You're not going to recreate Hulkamania. I mean, Hulkamania. We we talked about that. We go back to episode one of this podcast where we talked about the uh, why and how Hulkamania got over the way that it did. You know, and, and timing is everything. You got a ringside seat to your own SmackDown, brother. In the 1990s, 
that it wasn't saying that this country wasn't patriotic, but it also wasn't. We weren't, you know, we weren't in wars of that we were in during the the nineteen eighties. Well, and then, like to add to that, you look at WCW back then. They signed Hogan initially. Yeah, what was that like ninety four ish? Ninety four sounds about right. And uh, again, he comes in with the same fucking gimmick and. You know, more or less, and it's like it wasn't getting over. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody anymore. fucking cared. So, what makes you think that you're going to do it again? Besides ego, and yeah, I've heard that so many times about Lex Luger. I mean, Lex Luger. I've never, I never said anything about Lex Luger that Lex Luger would probably want to hear about himself because he's. <laughs> I, I don't think much. I don't think very highly of him. I don't think very highly of him as a wrestler. I don't think very, very highly of him as a as a person. I'll leave it at that, but um, I think this is this is a combination of bad booking and, and bad attitude, bad timing. Uh, it was never going to work. I think that's <laughs> the writing. I, I think I think both parties kind of saw that at the same time, which is why Lex Luger essentially just fizzled out and quietly joined WCW. As underhanded as it may have seemed when he, and I don't want to break off into his debut at WCW too much, but as underhanded as it was, as it seemed that Lex Luger join Nitro the way that he did, I don't think fucking Vince McMahon can't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, you could fucking have him at this point. Like, it was a lost cause, so... But yeah, I think I think that was... This is one of those exceptions of, of that rule, that WCW rule, because, you know, Luger was an NWA guy. <laughs> I just... I, yeah, I think this was... I think... Had, had he had played ball, it still wouldn't have mattered because the timing was just bad. The whole Lex Express and, and, and all that stuff, it was just not going to go over. And Yokozuna was not strong enough of an international heel like the the Iron Sheik or, you know, the wrestlers of that nature. Sure. You know, Nikolai Volkov, like, we weren't in a fucking war with Japan. No. <laughs> so, like, having a, a Japanese wrestler, even though Yokozuna is not Japanese, but having a Japanese wrestler come in and, you know, wave the J- Japanese flag, nobody gave a shit about that either. They didn't hate Yokozuna because he was Japanese. They hated Yokozuna because he was a bad guy. That was it. We didn't need to throw in all the fucking patriotic bullshit. You could have just booked it as a mega heel and here comes the hero Lex Luger. You want to put American flag on his trunks? That's fine. Do do that. That's fine. But you didn't have to go on this big ass fucking cruise, fork over all this money, just to just to have it fail. That was a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Absolutely stupid. Um, you know, obviously we know that WCW eventually got bought out by the WWE. Yes. And subsequently became just another brand under the banner. Let's talk about the pre-buyout talent. I'm talking about like Stone Cold, Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero, uh, Mark Merrill, who used to be Johnny B. Bad in WCW, uh, Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, Mick Foley, Big Show, and Dustin Rhodes. I know that's a laundry list of names here yes. for you to, to respond to, but if you need reminders, please. What about those guys? Um... Do you find do you find any of those guys in particular um, falling victim to this this WCW uh, burying supposedly happened? Uh, let's see. We got Stone Cold. You got Mick Foley, Eddie Guerrero, right? Yep. Who well, else we got? Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho. That's four world champs. Yeah. Mark Merrill. Okay. Uh, Perry Saturn. Okay. Dean Malenko. Big Show. Another world champ. Right. 
and Dustin Rhodes, aka Gold Dust. Well, it's it's going to be hard because Stone Cold, for example, let's start with him. All right, Stone Cold was a product of obviously WCW. As far as the as far as the the big companies are concerned, I'm not talking about his any days and you know anything like that. You know, Stone Cold obviously gets fired. That's that's we all know that. You know, FedEx and all that shit goes ECW, does that for a little while, and then gets called to come to WWE. It's hard. It's hard to sit here and say that st- like that he was being buried. I, I I don't think I don't think they ever really saw anything in, in him as a character. That's why he had a mouthpiece in Ted DiBiase originally. And and I always bring up the the point of when you talk about Stone Cold success, you have to talk about oddly enough, you have to talk about the Mass Square Garden incident. The Mass Square Garden incident, as we all know, was. The click minus Sean Waltman went out there and embraced at a at a, at a house show in, in Madison Square Garden, and right before Nash and, and and Hall left for WCW, that leaves Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Shawn Michaels is your world champion; he's your top guy. Triple H gets he gets buried, and Triple H went from being the guy that was supposed to win the King of the Ring to now no longer that happening, and. We go back to 96 when he was supposed to win that tournament. What happens to Stone Cold? Because that's where the infamous Austin 316 segment happens. If Triple H wins 96, if the, if the Mad Square Garden incident never happens, does Austin 316 become born? And it's just one of those weird things that I always have to put in perspective. Were they trying to bury him? No, because WCW didn't really see anything in him. He wasn't a WCW talent like that really. I mean, yeah, he was a TV champion. He was tag champion. But he got fired. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went to ECW. That and, and uh, so I think it was one of those things where they they saw him kind of as a good upper mid Carter to supplemental talent, and nothing more, nothing less. It was just a product of right place, right time for him because he was on. He was one of the guys because of his promo work, especially. He was one of those guys that was able to help get to bring out the whole attitude, if you will, and bring them over to, to, to that level. You look at a guy like uh you look at a guy like Chris Jericho, I think that was a product of timing is everything too. Chris Jericho is a guy that goes from the cruiserweight division, has a great well, I, I shouldn't say great, has great promos against Bill Goldberg, who is like the fucking guy in WCW. That goes nowhere, not because of him, but because of bad booking on WCW's part. Eventually fizzles out his contract with WCW, goes to WWE. Because of his promo work, they immediately put him up there with, they have him debut against The Rock, cuts his promos. Again, it was one of those things where times were a little different then. Times were, I mean, you're still talking about Attitude Era. Chris Jericho, or, or Attitude Era WWE, excuse me, where Chris Jericho is not going to be put in the main event status right away. It's still going to be another two years before he becomes world champion. But Chris Jericho has guys like Kurt Angle, guys like Chris Benoit, guys like Eddie Guerrero to kind of flourish his, his, his talent. And like at that point, like the Intercontinental title was very much the number two title that it deserves to be. And, you know, they were okay with putting him that that spot, and be, again, I think I think timing is everything. I think timing is one of those things where he jumped from that company to my company, so he's not a villain to me. To if that makes any sense, yeah. yeah. I, I think guys like Eddie Guerrero is the same thing. Eddie Guerrero was a guy that Vince loved from the get go. The reason why he got fired was was mainly it was purely because of Eddie Guerrero's fault. He fucked that up himself, and he'd be the first one if he was here today. He's actually no, I mean. He has said that. He, would, he was the first one to admit to that. You know, guys like Dean Malenko, guys like Perry Saturn, 
you know, Perry Saturn had too many injuries, too many head injuries going on. Dean Malenko was at was on the last leg of his career to begin with by the time he joined. But you know, you could mention Chris Benoit, the same thing. You know, I know you, you left him out, but but Chris Benoit is another guy that jumped ship with those same guys. Uh, you know, Malenko, Saturn, and and Guerrero, and same thing. You know, it was you know you're not going to be main event status, but you you know you could certainly be our upper mid card. Eventually, does become world champion after the 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 acquisition of WCW, but but yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where I think when guys left the company to come to left WCW to come to WWE, it was different because you now you're joining our side of the war. Sean Waltman was was the guy that that saw success in WWE, you know, after his run with WCW because again you you're joining us now. You're you're one of us now. So I think it's a little bit different. Uh, the exception to that rule is Dustin. Because Goldust, from the get-go, I've always felt, was a blatant shot at Dusty Rhodes. And and that's something I did want to bring up. You know, that's one of those... I think that's a lot of where this myth comes from. Mm-hmm. Before you finish, before you start, I, sure, I, got, sure. I, I want to point out... I always point out how dorky Jotto looks. Yeah. That shirt. Who... Did he come up with that? That is so lame. That is like the lamest shirt. If I see anybody wearing that shirt, you better not even try to too sweet me, man, because you I'm leaving your ass hanging. So what? I don't care. That's how fucking clever is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. That is so lame. I'm sorry. I, I just... <laughs> He is trying way too hard. He's a hell of a booker, but <laughs> god damn, is he a dork. <laughs> what, did you, what did you say last time? Like, he shows up and it's like it's like your dad being at your party. Yeah, it's like your dad trying to hang out with your with, with, with all the guys and he's just trying to be cool. And it's like, dad, go, go lay down. Go take a nap. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, he, yeah, it's just, he kills me. He absolutely kills me. Hell of a booker, though, but god damn. <laughs> Stop it, man! I'm sorry, man. No, right. no. We're we're we're, talk, we're talking gold dust, uh, gold dust, and 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 uh, WWE. Yeah, looking and at and that's unfortunately, I think that's where a lot of this myth comes from. Is is uh, with the Rhodes family and how Vince McMahon has seemingly maybe passive aggressively <laughs> taken shots at the Rhodes family for we talked about it two episodes ago. Yeah, for 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 whatever myriad of reasons uh, he may have. Uh, to do so, or he thinks he feels he should. You know, uh, for those who don't know, you know, Goldust or uh, Dustin Rhodes not only accepted a WWE contract, he 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 decided to do this gimmick, which was you know gender bending and and uh, oh, what is the term? <laughs> I'm having a brain fart. Androgynous. Yeah. Okay. Here you go. Um. All at the same time, and it clearly had an effect on Dusty Rhodes, his father, to the point where he wouldn't speak to his son. It, it literally cost him the relationship with his father in order to, to, to do this um, because his father felt like he was that good of a wrestler to where he didn't need to stoop to such levels. Yeah. And he did it anyway. And, and you know, to, to Dusty's credit, I mean, you look at both of his kids, 
Absolutely, they are. They are definitely worthy worthy of being called the natural in in uh, the American nightmare. But for whatever reason, whether it be money or maybe to to disagree with his father, who knows? Uh, I don't know. I think only at the at the end of the day, only Dustin Rhodes knows why he officially made that and that decision. But he did make it, and the rest is history, folks, because he did become gold dust. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you will never forget it. it you know, not to, not to sound like the, the gimmick, but yeah, you will never forget the name gold dust as, as long as you're a wrestling fan. He had that much impact on <laughs> professional wrestling in the 90s yeah. and beyond. It was um, being a seven- or eight-year-old kid watching him in the beginning, I, I didn't know what to think of it. I think a lot of people didn't know what to think. <laughs> it was know? it was uncomfortable at times. I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, and and, and keep but in mind. But see, like that's the best part about gold dust is the uncomfortableness. And yeah. It, just think think of what they could do with Sunny Kiss with with what AEW could do with Sunny Kiss if they made him an uncomfortable version of Sunny Kiss to where he is doing shit like that to to uh you know his opponents on the roster yeah i wholeheartedly agree with that you know i i think uh you know again what, what i think what was intriguing about it for me was the fact that it was uncomfortable without knowing anything about like sexuality and things of that nature you know i didn't realize gender bending of that kind i just i just like what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> Why can I not look away from it? So yeah, it it was, it's it, it, goalless is always going to be an interesting interesting topic because you don't like you don't want to give credit where credit's due because it was a a pretty pretty poor shot at at the Rhodes family the Rhodes name I think but it also in the beginning it was damn good it was it was really good absolutely so it's it's kind of one of those double edged swords I think but. Uh, but to, to, to say that it was not a, a shot at, at Dusty, saying we, again, because we're talking about the same guy that, that took a, a legendary wrestler in Dusty Rhodes and put him in fucking polka dots. Polka dots. <laughs> you know, and that's that's what he did with him. And I'm just so glad that I had older older people in my life that's like, that Dusty Rhodes, yeah, 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 no, fuck that Dusty Rhodes. Like, I'm going to show you some good, real Dusty Rhodes because that was my introduction Dusty Rhodes was Polka Dots <laughs> and I was like who is this slug going out here dancing around like an idiot like I don't want to see that and like no 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 fuck that that's not Dusty Rhodes I'll show you real Dusty Rhodes <clears throat> and I'm glad that I had that but um, you know throughout throughout history you know we, we've, we've seen that we've seen shots on both sides and I think this is one of those cases where it's like we got your boy and this is what we got for him and he's going to do it because we're going to pay him well we're gonna put him on TV. We're gonna put him in WrestleMania matches or Roddy Piper. We're gonna we're gonna do all that. But he's gotta dress up like this. Off to the races we went. So that was the the pre buyout talent. Obviously, they get bought out. You have you have a wave of guys who came over immediately after the buyout. Those guys were like, um, I mean, there was a, a, a ton of guys. So I'm just gonna name a, a few here. You've got Booker T and DDP, who were obviously stars in their own right before they came over, mm-hmm. and clearly have succeeded over the years, whether they be a part of that company or not. So. Uh, I don't think, obviously, the myth doesn't apply to these guys, but uh, you've got guys like Lance Storm, Chris Canyon, who's no longer with us, yes. who were definitely on the rise and 
close to main event in WCW, pretty much like your ultimate mid-carder, and then became like shells of themselves once they once they came over to the WWF at the time or WWE. Is is Vince to blame for for these guys, like literally a majority of those guys, not having continued success once they came over to his company because of again bad booking or, or, or poor decisions, or uh, were any of these guys meant for or, or not deserving of, of that stardom or that upper echelon that we talked about earlier in the episode? Because they just weren't they they weren't that talent. Case by case basis. Sure, uh, sure. I think it's going to have to be taken. But to call somebody like Lance Storm, and not that you were personally no, I'm not. <laughs> but to call somebody Lance Storm not upper tier talent is is a complete ridiculous statement. One of the my least favorite things and it involves Stone Cold was Stone Cold going out in the middle of one of Lance Storm's matches and pretending to fall asleep. It's 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 ridiculous. Lance Storm is the epitome of technical wrestling. Is he the most entertaining guy as far as persona goes? No. But neither was Chris Benoit. Neither was. Neither was Kurt Angle until they started putting goofy cowboy hats on him and <laughs> having him douse himself in fucking milk. Like, oh boy, <laughs> that just wasn't part of his shtick. You know, he wasn't a funny guy. How appropriate! We're here in mini, and I have a return match with Rey Mysterio. Pretty funny, huh? Get it? Rey Mysterio being mini. Good segue. You know, short. Oh, come on, people. That's funny. I think it is. I hate short people. It's a heck of a lot funnier than me getting a stink face last week. But Lance Storm is a legit fucking wrestler. As we see Chris Jericho on, on the ring in AEW, clean off all the orange juice from, from his body <laughs> he will attest to that i mean they those guys broke into the united states together i forget what their tag team name was the smoky mountain but oh yeah but they were they were a tag team together so but yeah like lance storm is a legit talent and they dropped the ball with him because here's a guy who's still in the wwe at this point that, that could face lance storm kurt angle chris Wall, eddie guerrero chris jericho all those guys that we mentioned before that formula worked for those guys that I just mentioned pre-buyout, but post-buyout, all of a sudden, Lance Storm can't fit into that mix? It's bullshit. <laughs> it's fucking bullshit. Lance Storm is the perfect candidate for something like that. Who, who else did you mention there? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm... Uh, Chris Canyon. Chris Canyon is a guy. Chris Canyon was an acquired taste, I think, for a lot of people. Is he as, ta- as talented as Lance Storm? No, not by no. any means. But... Chris Canyon, you look at 2001 WWE, you're telling me that Chris Canyon is not at the very least a mid-carder? Right. I, I think he wholeheartedly is a guy that could have wrestled for the United States Championship or the Intercontinental Championship or just had a legit rivalry of some kind, but it never it never happened that way. It's just it was just poor booking from the get go. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Can you read more well you said Booker T. Yeah, Booker T, Book- DDP. DDP was a guy I think from the get go got shitted on in WWE right away. Uh they did give him the Undertaker. They fed him to the Undertaker. <laughs> 
but it was a it was a poorly done gimmick. They didn't really see anything in, in him. And, and, and to be fair, DDP was older. DDP is one of those guys that started out his career super. I want to say super old because he was it was thirties, but older than most guys. So I mean, by this point, he was definitely older in, in his career. In his age, I should say. From him to go from a multi-time world champion to just a guy that smiles a lot in WWE, I think it's pretty clear what was happening there. It was pretty clear because DDP was a guy that was very much a main eventer in WCW when the WCW closed. And now, all of a sudden, he's just a guy that gets his ass whooped by The Undertaker. Not not just losing a match to The Undertaker, because there's no wrong in that. I mean, we are talking about the fucking Undertaker, too. And like, sure. Like, still good Undertaker, too. But I'm talking about the the fact that he was just there to be slaughtered by the Undertaker. And then that was basically it. He did win the European Championship. He did have a WrestleMania match. I get all that. But it never amounted to anything. And you look at DDP's career in WWE, it was a complete joke. Uh, and I think Booker T is a, another prime example because some people will say, well, before you go any further, Matt, like he was a former World Heavyweight Champion. One, it took him five years for them to do that. 2006 is when he won the world title. And two, it took a very shitty gimmick. He had to like become a fucking king to do that. Yeah. It was a bad gimmick. Even even Booker T, who is, doesn't get the credit he deserves for being uh, as creative as he is with his gimmicks. He did, He did good with it. But it was just bad from the get-go. It was never going to work. And his title reign is very forgettable. And we talked about that in episode 99 where you know, Booker T should have already been champion in 2003. Yeah. Didn't happen. That'll, that'll never go away. It, it sh- and it shouldn't. It, it's a it's a clear example of the burying process. And, and Booker T very much so. And it's, it's a shame because you look at the stories of Booker T, you look at the infamous Bash of the Beach 2000 pay-per-view everything that went down with Vince Russo and Hulk Hogan and Jeff Jarrett who's the guy that walked out of that pay-per-view as champion it was Booker T and no matter no matter who or, or how it went down because there's there's different there's there's different answers to did Booker T know this was going to happen and it didn't happen like there's different scenarios and we don't know who's telling the truth who's not but one thing I think I think everyone can agree on I don't agree with Vince Russo on a lot of things Pretty much nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. His remarks on Booker T was dead on. Yeah. Booker T's a fucking company man. He was true to WCW. He stood by WCW. Even when it was shit, he stood by WCW. WCW gets bought out. He goes to WWE. And I don't... I don't... I've never heard anybody throughout Booker T's WWE career say that Booker T wasn't a fucking company man. He was going to do the exact same thing... For the other company, do it for WWE, and they never gave him the ball. They never let him run with it. It wasn't until a shitty gimmick in 2006, 2006 on SmackDown when nothing was really going on. And also, here, here's your title. Here's your, here's have it for a few months and then, and then give it back because we're gonna give it to other people eventually. We're gonna give it to Batista. We're gonna give it to the Undertaker again, who doesn't fucking need it. We're gonna give it to Edge. Because he's so deserving of that belt. Don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> I think Booker T is one of the perfect examples of the fact that a guy 
from WCW was going to find it very hard, especially post-buyout, was going to find it extremely hard to ever become successful in that company. And he proved that time and time again. You know, to his credit, he made everything work. You know, we're going to throw you in a tag team with Goldust. All right, I'm going to make it. I'm going to fucking, we're going to fucking run with it. We're going to be the odd couple and it's going to work. Oh, that's, that's doing good. We're going to abruptly stop that. You know, and it's just, it just kept happening to the man. More so than, than Lance Storm and, and, and Chris Canyon because those guys didn't last long in the company. And same thing with DDP. I think Booker T is the prime example of that. And it's sad because he was going to be the company man. Anything you needed, you needed to get new talent over, he was going to get new talent over. You you needed him to to put on a a WrestleMania paper, main event match with Triple H. He was going to do that. It was Triple H that didn't want to do that. With this buyout again, uh, a part of a big part of that buyout was Vince McMahon refused to purchase the contracts of pretty much uh, most of the top talent that was in WCW, including Goldberg, mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan. Paul and Nash. Right. You know, depending on who you talk to, like, that was the meat of of the deal, and he he refused to buy any of that. Um, Because of that, do you think this is, like, how much of this myth does does that play into the myth? You know, how much of that decision by Vince McMahon play into into this myth that WCW got buried? Um, Would you have done the same thing as Vince McMahon? Would you, or would you have splurged on that top talent? It's hard because everybody that you mentioned, I wouldn't want um, personally. Okay. Because for various reasons. But as a booker in 2001, hell yeah, I want Bill Goldberg. I think, uh, I think the fans wanted him. It was still, he was still... I wouldn't call it prime because I don't think he ever had a prime. I mean, you can't have a prime when you wrestle three-minute matches. But he was still the entity. Existed in 1998. He was still very much that. And you could repackage him as that. Missed opportunities, too. I mean, you know, you talk about dream matches and fantasy booking. There is, I mean, I know he ended up fighting The Rock, but there is that, you know, that aspect of it. There's, there's the stone-cold aspect of it because, you know, he's still there. There's the Kurt Angles. There's the Undertaker's. There's those opportunities for a guy like Bill Goldberg. I think it's. I think the writing was on the wall, especially for him, because out of the other guys that you mentioned, he's the healthiest out of all of them. Scott Hall's got way too many fucking demons. He's he's got way too much shit to figure out in his personal life. Kevin Nash, I don't think physically at that point had it anymore. Okay. I mean, he almost. If I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, he almost died in WCW like twice, <laughs> at least once. I know the Starcade '97, like it was a scary incident. And Hulk Hogan is, you know, do you give him the money just for him to go out there and cut promos? And I mean, they eventually did. Yeah. They did shortly after that. I. I, I I'm not so sure that. Uh, I, I'm just not so sure on those guys. Goldberg, though. As much as I don't want him personally, I think there was a market for him, and they they should have bought out that contract, but they didn't. As far as any other talent that existed, I think there was a few others. Buff Bagwell. Buff Bagwell. Yeah. What do you think about Buff Bagwell? As in a talent? Uh, well, <laughs> in, in, well, in relation to this whole situation, did he get buried, or what was it? Um, was it one of those like Lex Luger incidents where he kind of buried himself? Because for those who don't remember, you know he he got a push. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't with the company very long, but he got a push, and they gave him a, a pretty important match against Booker T on uh, the 
July 2nd, 2001 edition of Monday Night Raw, where I know this is a lot of pressure to put on somebody, but it was like, hey, if this match goes well between you two guys, and you guys can win the crowd and, and make this something, we're going to give WCW a shot at its own television show as part of the WWE brand. Mm-hmm. You can I, I, I offer all of you, if you haven't watched this match, please go... Get yourself a subscription, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash WWE Network. That's all one word. Definitely check that out because uh, you'll get to see. You'll get to see firsthand just how bad um, Buff fucked that up. (laughs) But uh, in addition to all that, you know, there was a reported backstage. There was a a reported backstage altercation with Shane Shane Helms back then. In general, bad attitude problems from Buff. And then there was even the the whole ordeal with his mother calling in to the company (laughs) to complain about Buff's travel schedule for his new job over there in WWE. So Yeah, what is that about? Well, taking all that into consideration, I ask you once, is this Vince McMahon burying a WCW guy, or is this a WCW guy I think it goes both ways, but I think it's more so burying by Vince McMahon because really I, I do because I I know you're a fan of some of Buff Bagwell's ma- uh, tag Vin- team vicious and delicious. <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I think him and Scott Norton were a fucking awesome tag team, man. Yeah, and and I'm I'm not going to disagree with that, but as a singles competitor, oh god, no, I don't Buff, buy it. No, Buff and, can no. And and if I'm if I'm putting that kind of pressure. On two guys, you knew what you were signing up for when you put Buff Bagwell in that match. <laughs> you knew exactly what you were signing up for. That was never going to happen. Yeah, I think I think it was that case. I think it was one of those things where you know Booker T especially is in a it's an unwinnable situation. You can't carry a match with a guy like that. Clearly, whatever he had in WCW, he's not going to bring to the table in WWE. Just because, simply because one, he was at his best probably. Four years prior, okay. where he's at now, I mean, he's not a big enough name going in, you know, coming into WWE. He's not a good enough talent. I don't think the backstage antics were were something that were surprising anybody because there was backstage antics when he was in WCW as well. So he was already a headache. I don't think this was a winnable situation for that WCW brand. And I don't know. If it was more so getting or, or uh, an attack on Buff Bagwell. I think this was more of an attack on WCW. Okay. Look at you know, look at the talent that you have. This is the best that you have to offer. It's garbage. Reality is, it was never the best. I mean, you had half of it. You got Booker T right, but yeah, it, I, I I just think it was uh, it was. I wouldn't be surprised if this, that was done on purpose for those reasons. And maybe I'm overthinking it, but I try I try not to give Vince McMahon the benefit of the doubt because he's lost that over the many years that he's yeah. been in power. Um, cruiserweights. Now, for those who don't remember, the WWE had their own light heavyweight division. Yes. Coming into this whole WCW debacle, it was quickly scrapped. Even after they spent all that money on um, Takamitsunoku as their flagship uh, light heavyweight. and Because uh, he was all the rage in Japan at the time. So they offered him big money. He came over. And, and don't get me wrong. like It was entertaining to see uh, Taka. I think, I think putting so much pressure on him to kind of carry an entire division was was wrong on the company that's my opinion but that light heavyweight division was quickly scrapped and um the cruiserweight belt wcw's cruiserweight belt came into favor Mm -hmm. 
and uh, eventually the belts would be unified and it would just become the cruiserweight division obviously and and you know think about the way this this whole division has been treated over the years i mean obviously you have 205 live now so they have their own show and the whole nine but is 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 this just a, a, another case of the cruiserweights being buried ultimately because vince loves bigger guys or or or, or, or am i missing something how much of how much of that plays into this myth i think uh anytime you have the word cruiserweight i, I always find it as a derogatory word in wrestling anyways yeah i, I think so i mean when the cruiserweight division was was starting and rebranded especially on the smackdown brand it was definitely sought as pretty decent pretty decent uh not to say main event status but it, it was up there it was a higher tier it was something that they definitely advertised and, and it worked for a while um i think vince mcmahon's always been a guy that never could have understand why high-flying fast-paced action existed he loves not only bigger guys be like slower guys uh and i think the cruiserweight division officially died the moment uh Chavo, the Chavo Guerrero injury happened with billy kidman and the the knee to the to the throat as far as the the initial the initial like introduction to the cruiserweight division uh you know re- you know Redefine the light heavyweight title, the cruiserweight title. I don't know. I, I, do I look at it as burying? Not for a WCW sake. I just I always look at it as, as what you alluded to is they're not big enough because what's always going to happen with the cruiserweight division. You know, you you have cruiserweights happen, and they did this during during his initial run. You'll have cruiserweights go, and they'll build them up, and then like Brock Lesnar will will have a squash match with them and make them look like a bunch of fucking nobodies and completely just discrediting that entire division. So I think it's always been the anti-small guy thing with Vince McMahon, not necessarily WCW, because no matter how you look at it, Cruiserweight division did bring Rey Mysterio to WWE. We all know how big that was for them, that big, that was such a huge signing. So is this, this is, is this where Evil wins the title, by the way? Absolutely. Evil is the... So I finally... Well, I haven't watched Dominion yet. This is my first time watching it. Evil has won the IWGP Intercontinental and Heavyweight Champion. And, uh, man, they were also showing highlights of the the story between between him and, and Naito. And it's like, man, it goes back pretty far. And it's a sad story, man. It's sad to see it end. You, you know, you, I'm so happy for it, but also, like, fuck. It's sad to see that. I know, I... I, I, I I get too emotional in wrestling sometimes. But again, it's it's this amazing booking. They, they incredible job by New Japan. Yeah, I, going back to the Cruiserweight division, I, I don't I don't necessarily buy that's an anti WCW thing because they were burying their own talent even when there was the light heavyweight division. As you mentioned, Takamichinoku. Uh, you can't. How many light heavyweight champions can we actually name? I can name maybe two or three. You know, I think that was it. I don't think they had very many guys in that division. To no, be honest with you, they had. They ran. I mean, you knew you knew they didn't care about it. The moment that they changed Dwayne Gill into Gilbert and gave him the belt so he can parody. Goldberg, yeah, because that's what you need to do with that title is make it a joke belt. So, I, yeah, I, I think um, I think from the get go, it was it was always uh, a doomed division. And you look at two hundred five live. You mentioned two hundred five live. Now they don't ever fucking do anything with it. It's 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 still. I I mean I know right now today in, this, in today's world it's a you know amidst a pandemic it's kind of hard. But like they don't fucking promote that show. 
They no. don't do they don't do jack shit to it. I don't know why they even bother keeping it. It's pointless. But um yeah, I I don't know if that's so much anti WCW. I just think that's Vince McMahon hating small guy. I got one more for you. Lay it on me. Ric Flair. Okay. Has Ric Flair been a WCW guy that was buried or is it quite the opposite? I think Ric Flair is an intriguing character in a sense that when he came when he came to WWE he didn't he didn't want to be associated with WCW at that point anymore. I mean look how WCW treated him throughout the years, the later years anyways. I don't know if it was so much I don't know so much if he was labeled as WCW guy. And see that's that's my whole issue with, with this this guy in particular. Um Ric Flair's always been an NWA NWA guy. Always. Yeah. He, you know, even when he came over for for his stint in the early nineties Whoa! I'm sorry. That's how they end this match. That's some bullshit. We. I'm sorry to cut you off again. No, but... Matt, Matt's referring to the AEW World Title match between John Moxley and Brian Cage. Uh, Taz just threw in his orange towel, pretty much uh, surrendering the win to John Moxley as uh, Moxley had Cage in uh, in a submission hold, and that's how they ended the match. That's weak. Yeah, that was pretty weak. That's weak, AEW. That's that's not. You spent an extra week building this match, and that's how you ended. That's that's fucking weak. Who booked that shit? Oh, well, the lights going off now. Yeah, turn this match, turn this show off. <laughs> <laughs> Even TNT is like that's fucking weak. Who is? Oh, Darby Allen. How could we forget? He did tease he was coming back. That's that's some shit. Eh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. No, uh, yeah, this is what happens when we put wrestling on the background. <laughs> I get distracted. <laughs> Uh, but so. no, I, I, you know, even even during Ric Flair's stint um, in the early '90s for WWF, his name was already established before he was in WCW. He was he was a, a global touring champion for NWA. Yeah, that's always been my problem with this whole WCW myth and and, mm-hmm. and anybody associating Ric Flair with it is to me he's never been a WCW guy when it comes to this this whole myth thing because he was already established. Yeah. He was he was not only like one of the top wrestlers in the country, he was a top wrestler in the world. You couldn't go anywhere and and not know who the fuck Ric Flair was. Yeah. So. I mean, I wasn't around, but yeah, I've, you know, just by the history of Ric Flair, man, yeah, absolutely. If you th- if you really think about it, Ric Flair never really had a good stint in WCW, anyways. I mean, from the in- the incarnation of WCW, it was it was always kind of treated like shit. Oh yeah, you know, the whole shit with Jim Hurd wanted to make him um, uh, what is the the Romanesque uh, Spartacus? He wanted mm-hmm. to make him Spartacus and had him cut his hair, and all kinds of shit. They fired him, and he went through arbitration for his his contract and his money, and just it was like one thing after another. I mean, once the once the Crockets were were out, it seemed like. Ric Flair was a thing in the past anyways. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, that assessment, Ric Flair being more of an NWA guy. When it comes to the post-buyout, I think I think a lot of that, the, the his disgruntlement with WCW and, and how he was treated in WCW, I think that was very much goes into, uh, goes into account why he wasn't necessarily buried. Also, too, we're not talking about an in-ring full-timer anymore either you know we're talking about a guy that's just a name when i say it'd be stupid to bury him i'm not saying that i would hold it past wwe and vince mcmahon 
But it would just be dumb not to use that name. It's Ric Flair. You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want to, to at least try to make some kind of money off that name, if that makes any sense? But as far as the, the rest of WCW, and we can go on with other companies that, I, 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 that, I've, that I've looked at and, and just and shaking my head of this how they have let some of these fucking talents just go by the wayside. This is it's unbelievable to me. What is going on with Takahashi here? What's what's going on? Uh, so this is post match. Um, Evil has won both titles. He's just fucking booking out of here. Yeah, he pretty much snapped. Pretty much like, hey, how how dare you? How dare you do this to us? How dare you do this to Naito? He just fucking started screaming at the top of his lungs, wailing like I pretty much vowing revenge. And if I'm not mistaken, they already have that match signed for their next big show. Nice. I imagine it's not for the belts. I mean, because Takahashi's technically a junior heavyweight. I don't know if it's for the belts or not but yeah i'm pretty sure they already signed the match not the jump no, no, topic please, here please. but lij we've seen kind of the the ripple effects in lij even before evil sure, sure. left is this a faction that is kind of seeing its end here or do they continue to go on and do they even become stronger uh historically they've always gone on and become stronger i, I think i think that's the case here I, I actually i really hope it's the case i think it lends to to new japan's booking uh you kind of see that happen um periodically with all of their fact you know their their factions will go through a, in a period of adjustment and then they come back and something major happens and don't get me wrong it's not always you know the winning of two championships in one night or, or something that important but you know you look at chaos you had okada become the longest reigning things of that nature i'd say if anything look for look for the ingobernables to come back come back stronger uh, the only thing I can't figure out right now is will they be heels or baby? That that to me that remains to be seen, and and that's what intrigues. Because certainly right now they are the baby faces. Because right on the screen you have pretty much the ultimate fucking heel <laughs> in that company right now, and he looks the part. Yeah. Every fucking bit of him looks. What what happens? The topic is booking here. Travel restrictions become no longer a thing. Switchblade comes back. Kenta comes back. Because you talk about Kenta. You talk about the biggest heel in professional wrestling pre-pandemic, especially with everything that took that transpired at at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I'm not saying anyone's going to overtake Evil at this point, right? And right now, nor should they per se. But you know, like you know, we talk about the Bullet Club again. You know, you have they, they seem to always do that. They seem to always find a way. You know, they're they're very much a heel group. You know, the elites the, that era is fucking dead, and they're they're very much a, a heel group. Switchblade, Kenta, Evil, like no punning in the name aside, like you have the most fucking evil group throughout <laughs> professional wrestling. I mean, you just have guys that just don't know any fuck. They don't have limits. El Fantasmo is a guy oh, Jesus, that just yeah. doesn't have a fucking restrictions on 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 what he's willing to do. And then we talk potentially bringing back the Good Brothers. Like, oh my god! Like, if you are not on the the the, the Bullet Club bandwagon, if you ever got off, now is the time to get back on. You half-hearted sons of bitches, because because <laughs> <laughs> it is like it is. We are just like full speed ahead. As far as Lij, I love Lij. Tetsuya Naito is one of my favorite wrestlers. Absolutely, man. Uh, I hated to see him lose yeah, those belts. Yeah, dude, you felt heartbreak. <laughs> like I said, that entire hero's journey that they made him go through, and then it to just cut, just be cut short by not only a pandemic, right? 
but by his own brother. Yeah, stab him right in the heart, oh, man. Oh, man. That's, and that's good writing. It's good writing. Yes, this is a fucking soap opera for us, you know? <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> the, the topic at hand has been has been booking. And what say you, in a nutshell, regarding the... Like, should we call it conspiracy? I don't know what else to call it, but... Speculation. Speculation that WWE was buried. You ask me the questions a lot. I'm going to ask you... What say you? Do, do I think WCW was buried um, by Vince McMahon? I do. I, I in the long run, I I think I think it was, and and I say it because sure he let talents progress in his company, but think about it: a lot of those talents were going to progress anyway, whether they were with that company or not. Mm-hmm. You know, would we have gotten the a Stone Cold Steve Austin out of it? No, not necessarily, but we would have got still a successful Steve Austin somewhere. Yeah. It might not have been Stone Cold. It could have been some other bad motherfucker Mm -hmm. persona. But that's that's Stone Cold, or that's uh, Steve Austin ramped up to 11. You know, that's just his gimmick. Sure. You know, that's that's one of those, those golden rules of booking is... You take the talent, you find out who they are, you establish their their character and their persona and what makes them a person, and you just amp it up to 11, and that's usually how you have the most success with that person or that talent. And, and that goes with every organization out there, every company out there. You let people do what they do best, and they're going to shine for you. I think that's that should be common sense by now, but right. it, it always isn't for... for um, whatever reason sure um but yeah i i think vince buried wcw to a certain degree and and to add to that i think he did the same thing to ecw as well yeah absolutely you know because at the end of the day vince mcmahon wants to be the only fucking sports entertainment entity out there and what better way to do that than to get rid of your competition it's as simple as that if we have Impact make a major run at his company, guess what? If he has it his way, he's going to buy out those guys, put that company to rest, and he'll do the same shit to them. Same with AEW. It just so happens that AEW is full of guys who have a lot of heart, who have a lot of ambition within themselves, not just collectively, and they're backed by $100 million. That's the only difference. That I think that's the only difference or the only reason why they're still even afloat right now. But I, I will say this, though. AEW doesn't become a thing, and if it doesn't, it doesn't become a thing, and the Bucks and Omega signed with WWE like, it was alluded they they might have. I I'm I'm not so sure that we're talking about Kenny Omega as world champion. No, we're not. I'm not so I, I, no. Yeah, I'm I'm not so sure that the Young Bucks aren't uh, doing bowling competitions with fucking the Street Profits the street or profits Viking or, Raiders. Yeah. Or whatever. Like I'm not so sure that we're not seeing that. You know, I'm not so I'm not so sure about about any of that. You know, I mean Kenny Omega's over, but you know it's one of those things where. We've seen it so many times where guys have come out, have been over elsewhere. International wrestlers are are so much about this, you know. Where Takamichinoko we mentioned earlier, Mexican wrestlers, Japanese wrestlers, you know, come to WWE, they come there to die. <laughs> yeah, Kenta, another oh, guy. Man. Goes there to die. And, and and I'm not talking about the injury. Like, yeah, he got hurt. I get that. After and before, he was he was nobody. And they just go there to die. And Shinsuke Nakamura, another oh, example. Oh, man, I could give two shits about that guy now. 
I hate him. Yeah, it's terrible. I can't stand it's watching terrible. him. This is, we're talking about one of the greatest mm-hmm. champions in New Japan history, and just... It's a fucking joke. And again, that's where his career goes to die. Look, I get it. You can argue, oh, he's making a lot of money. I, you can kiss my ass about the amount of money he's making. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit because money is, is only going to buy you things. But your your name, your respect, that infamy, you have to live with for the rest of your life. And as far as a wrestler goes, there's a, especially his culture. You know, we talk about culture on this podcast before. His culture... Look at what happened with Kento going back to Japan. He's not well received because no. you were a fucking joke. <laughs> I don't know if Shinsuke Nakamura comes back and is well received by I guess the heroes welcome. I'm not so sure because look at what he is. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, was it worth the money? Yeah, I mean, if it is, it is. That's you know, but that's a case by case basis, of course. Sure. But um Good booking, bad booking, you know, we talked about it all. I do want to say 100 episodes in, you know, we've had our, Joe and I have, have, have definitely, we, I'll be the first one to admit, we had our share of good booking and bad booking when it comes to uh, this podcast, uh, learning the ropes, if you will, and, and getting, sure. our, getting our feet wet in this. Thank you again for everybody that has been a part, whether it's full-time, part-time, whatever time part of this ride i can't ever thank you enough and i do want to say that you know here's to 100 more and the next 100 episodes i guarantee you i promise you are going to be better than the first 100 and uh, there's so many things that are, are in the works that we have planned for you for your entertainment value and uh we want to continue to to preach the fact that we want to support professional wrestling keep the conversations going and uh and we want to find more ways that we can interact with all of you out there because we're not just here to do this for our health. Uh, I want to showcase uh, just everything that I love about this business, about the about the wrestling business with all of you guys out there. So, again, thank you so much for 100 episodes. Thank you to my partner for 100 episodes. Thank you, man. Thank you. And, uh, man, like this is um, – it's been a fun ride, man. I can't wait yeah, to – Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't be doing this without you. I, I really wouldn't. I, I, you're the one that uh, pitched this whole idea, and I, you know, the more I thought about it, because believe me, folks, it took me a few weeks to sit there and say yes. <laughs> but um, left me hanging. Um, <laughs> and, and but you know what? I I don't I don't regret any of that because sure, yeah. Uh, first of all, look look what we've accomplished, and look what we're about to accomplish, and uh, you know, I didn't want. I didn't want to take this with a, a grain of salt. You know, it, it's one thing for us to sit and talk amongst each other week after week about pro wrestling and and, and a bunch of different fandoms that you and I share. But yeah. uh, it's another to turn it into something for other people to share and enjoy. And I, I think while we're while we haven't figured all of it out yet, we're well on our way to doing so. I agree. I agree, and um, it's it's dude, it's been a blast, and I it's I, man, I can't. It's hard for me to fathom that for at least one hundred weeks so far, you and I have sat down and talked professional wrestling, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way, man. So thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, again, you know, we we continue to grow, and 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 that's that's the. 
that's the the goal every week is to entertain you guys and and give you a couple of hours or hour and a half whatever we do to just sit back and and listen and let us take you on a journey because that's what this is for me personally uh, speaking of the interaction joe how can they reach us online uh we are on facebook facebook.com slash 20x20 crew is our main facebook page our official facebook page uh you can come talk to matt and i in our facebook group facebook.com slash groups slash 20x20 wrestling talk um we're available on twitter at 20x20 crew or twitter.com slash 20x20 crew same thing on instagram our handle is at 20x20 crew or instagram.com slash 20x20 crew um and then of course our home on the web being 20x20crew.com where you can find all 100 of our past episodes all of our sponsors uh merch and the like and and again thank you guys so much for for all of you listening and who continue to listen um matt and i love setting up the 20 by 20 ring each and every week that we can and um we hope you do too. I I want to give a shout out uh, again. All of our uh, all of our wrestling that we watched today was done by my Fire Stick and my Roku device, which you can get over uh, via Amazon twenty x twenty crew dot com slash podcast slash Amazon, where you can sign up for thirty days absolutely free of Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime is absolutely it, it's free. worth it, folks. Even if it's just for the shipping, it's worth it. I'm telling you. Go through our website. Give us a little bit of love. We definitely would appreciate it. It helps uh, It helps with everything that we do here. Again, that's 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash Amazon. Also, too, streaming is a big deal nowadays, especially stay-at-home orders are still going in effect. Obviously, everybody, please stay safe and well. And if you're looking for something to watch, before you subscribe to a new streaming service, buy a gift card first. Absolutely. Why Why pay full price? Stop paying full price. Yeah, fuck that. 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise where you can get a plethora of gift cards online for a discounted price. That's that's the key. Never I, pay full I, price. I, I don't pay full price for Netflix because of this. Yeah. I don't pay full price for Hulu. Hulu, Netflix. If you're looking to shop, they got plenty of stuff to shop. If you're looking to eat somewhere... Even if it's takeout, they still take gift cards. Absolutely. So, yeah. again, 20x20crew.com slash podcast slash raise. And, of course, I want to give a special shout-out to our good friends over at Junction Collectibles. I can never stress enough how much money I give this company because <laughs> <laughs> I just absolutely love their low prices and the fact that they are so willing to just go out there and look for the hard-to-find items for me. For a discounted price. Absolutely. Shop with Junction Collectibles, and if you use the promo code 20X20JULY, you will get 25% off your next purchase. That's 20X20JULY for 25% off your next purchase. And visit our website at 20X20Crew.com slash podcast slash Junction Collectibles for more information. And uh, again... A plethora of 
whether you're a wrestling fan, which I'm assuming you are if you listen to this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) wrestling, video game related items as far as pop vinyls, merchandise of, 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 of clothing and other collectibles, hard to find stuff as well. All you got to do is talk to them, and uh, they'll find whatever you need. Absolutely. And on that note, it is time to say goodbye. 100 episodes down and uh, infinity more to go. And until next week, I've been Matt, and he's been Joe. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been fantastic. And until next week, we will see see you you in in the the ring. ring.